So last week in part one of the sermon, we talked about taking the next giant step uh, to spiritual maturity. What is it to take the next giant step into spiritual maturity? We, we talked about people who were really seeking truth. That's the first group of people we discussed. People who are seeking truth. They have questions. Um, they, they're, they're wanting to know what it truly means. What is this God thing, if you will? What is it all about? What does God expect of me? How do I, how do I walk in a, in a more spiritual way, if you will? They're, they're learning. And we said last week with that first group that the next step for them was to give their lives to Jesus Christ. That if they want to take the next step in their spiritual journey, they need it. We talked about justification, just as if I'd never sinned. They need to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And so many did. It was it was seriously exciting to see how many people gave their lives to Christ last week. And we tried to follow them up. If if you gave your life to Christ last week, if you raised your hand, you prayed that prayer with me. Um, I want to make sure that we, we connect with you, make sure we help you with some next steps. If you'd like to be baptized, please talk to us. We'll set up a baptismal time, and, and it's just going to be an exciting time. But we saw people give their lives to, to Jesus Christ. Now, the next group of people that I would like to, to address are those who have given their lives to Christ and are growing in their faith. So you've made that commitment, and you, begin, you, you started growing in your faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. That's for all of us, right? We, we, we give our lives to Christ. We want to press on to maturity. We're growing in our faith. We want to press on to maturity. As we go through this process, this journey we call our, our faith journey, we want, to, we want to leave the elementary truths of the faith. We want to keep moving forward. We want to grow to spiritual maturity. Press on, press on, press on. It's not just a lingering and, a, you know, and, and, uh, and kind of hanging back, if you will. It's a pressing forward. Spending time with God, like the song we just sang. Just spending time with God. We want to press on and build that relationship and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. For you, if you're in that group, you've given your life to Christ and you're starting to grow in your faith. For you, your next step is to, is to in moving forward is to look back. So if you want to take that next step in your spiritual journey, what you need to do is you need to, you need to look back. You need to get excited about your future based upon your past. I want you to think about that as we process through it. You need to realize what God has in store for you in light of what God has already done for you in your life. Looking back and seeing all the dynamic things that God has done in your life. I really enjoy when I was a youth pastor. One of the things I enjoyed the most was thinking about the future and investing in the lives of students and, and going, we used to go down to the city, Cincinnati, and we would, we renovated a house for a family there who was a poor family there. Um, this is, this is with Vine Street and Ray Street when it wasn't all, all hip and cool and everything. This was when it was really dangerous. And we go down there and the students would go down there. We built a daycare center. We built, we built homes. We invested in the lives of the kids that were downtown. It was awesome. 
And I, I would think to myself, and I would say to myself, and I would say to the, the students, you know, when you get older, can you imagine what you're going to be capable of doing from, because of what you've done now? And I wanted the students to have the attitude when they got older and they said, you know what we should do? You know how we solve this problem? A, B, and C. And the adults around them would say, that's just ridiculous. You couldn't pull that out. That could never happen. The students would say, are you joking me? We did this when we were in high school. They look back on their lives and see how God impacted their lives. And so they can look forward and say, are you joking? I did that when I was a kid. God can do immensely more than all I could ever ask or imagine because they have that kind of attitude. We need to look back so that we can look forward with excitement and enthusiasm. Psalm 105.5 says this, Remember the wonders He has done. He has done some wonders in your lives. The miracles, it says. The miracles. Some of you are walking miracles. Some of you would say, I shouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the power of God in my life, the miracles and the judgments he pronounced. I remember I stood up here in 2003. We started the church in 2000. In 2003, one of the visions that we had, we wanted to go to Nigeria and we wanted to build a self-sustaining model in Nigeria. And I stood up here in 2003 and I shared the vision that we had and I said this, it is a fact waiting to happen. I believed I had looked to my past and what God had done already. And I said, God can, in my mind and my heart, I said, God can do this. And so I like to pray and I say, God, I want to praise you in advance for what you're going to do. Why do I say that in a prayer? Because I know he's capable of doing whatever I'm asking. So I'm going to praise him in advance for what I know he's going to do. If he doesn't answer my prayer exactly the way I prayed it, that doesn't bother me. God knows best for my life. But I'm going to praise him in advance. I praise him in advance because I know what he's already done in my life. And so I stood up here in 2003 and I said, we are going to take 60 acres of land and we're going to build a working farm and we're going to create jobs and we're going to use that money. We are going to work together and we're going to use that money that when we generate income to invest in ministry. I said, we're going to build a self-sustaining model. And I believe that with all of my heart. As of July of the last of this year, this July, we actually made money. Okay? So we've invested this money over the years. We've, we have drilled. This is just one little thing. Our farm, actually, look at the bottom, 184. That's not dollars. That's Naira. You're all getting excited. $184,000? That's about two bucks in, in, in Naira, okay? In, Amer- in, in, in our, our currency. I'm just It's not two bucks, but... We made money there. We've hired 11 full-time people on this farm. There are 40 seasonal workers or, or more on this, in this one area. We also have other things that we're doing. We've drilled 180 wells in Nigeria, servicing over 200,000 people, saving so many lives of the waterborne diseases. They're not getting the kinds of diseases they used to get because of the investment that you have made. But we have built a self-sustaining community. If this church no longer existed, that would still function. Because it's self-sustaining. That's exciting. That's dynamic. We can look back and say, God, we ask this of you. 
And you have followed through. You have given us. You are so faithful. We've been able to build. You have been able to build through us a self-sustaining model. All of us need to be able to reflect on what God has done in our lives so that we can be excited about what God has in store for us in the future. He has so much in store. But for some of you, you need to be able to look back because you're feeling like, oh, you can't press forward. You're, you're staggering in your growth. You need to look back and remember how God has delivered you. You're sitting here this morning. And there's so many times you were anxious and so many times you were stressed and so many times you were worried and so many times you didn't think you were going to make it and so many times and so many times and we forget how many times God has come through. We need to reflect back on those times and remember that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine in the future. Now, for many of you, you're... You, you've asked Christ to come into your life. You've said, Lord, I, I want you to be the, the, the director of my life. I want you to be the, the Lord of my life. But somewhere along the line, you fell into a pattern of mediocrity, spiritual mediocrity. You just started kind of, you took a step back and you started to relax a little bit and you maybe you got frustrated about something and you've kind of you've fallen into a pattern of mediocrity. Let me let me share a reason why I think that sometimes happens in our lives, even for those who are more mature spiritually. I believe that many people confuse um, doing with being. Jen touched on this. They confuse doing things for God with with being there's there is a big difference we get so caught up in doing things for god that we forget the pleasure of just being with god like we just did a couple of minutes ago and i'll tell you you know who falls in this category often staff in churches they get so caught up in doing things for god that they forget to just spend time with god being with god we as we as Christians, we get we come to know Christ and then and then we we kind of jump in and serve. OK, we jump in and serve immediately, which is not a bad thing. But here's the thing. We forget we jump in and serve thinking that serving alone can somehow lead us to spiritual maturity. And it can't. Serving alone cannot lead us to spiritual maturity. Is it good to serve? Absolutely. Do we, do we need, do we need to, to serve in order to become spiritually mature? Yes, we do. But we make the mistake along the way of thinking that serving alone is going to lead to spiritual maturity. And so we stop reading the Word of God. We stop praying. And we stop just being with Him. Just being still. And that leads us to burnout because we, we're, we're putting out, we're putting out, we're putting out. We're not allowing God to pour back in. Both of those things need to happen. Yes, we need to put out. We need to be putting out that energy and serving the Lord. But the Lord needs to be putting back into us. Or else we're going to fall back into negative patterns of behavior. That's why I said that spiritual mediocrity. We begin to slip back into old habits and patterns of behavior. We stop listening to God. We lose that, we lose that fire that we once had. We, we lose that passion that we once had. We, we lose the heart that we once had for God. Because we think 
that somehow just serving God is going to lead to spiritual maturity, and it does not. Take a moment to consider if you're in this category this morning. It's a, this is a good morning to do that. Take, take you know, stock in where you are. Are you in this category where you've kind of got into a, a mediocrity? You've lost your fire. You've lost your passion. You've lost a little bit of that heart. You need to make the changes this morning necessary. You need to change direction. Maybe you need, and I, I'm choking as I say this. <laughs> Maybe you need a season of less serving and more study and reflection. Here's what, you're, oh, here's what we're all looking for. We're looking for a balance. We're looking for a balance of serving, okay, and also study, reflection, putting out and being poured into. My professor at NIAC used to say, one person, one job. Each person in the church should have one responsibility so that everyone else doesn't get, the people who are serving don't get burnt out. That's so important for all of us to understand. The next group of people that um, I want to talk with are people who are, who are applying their faith to their everyday life. People who are applying their faith to their everyday life. Sometimes when we're, we, we come to know Christ and we're in the church and we kind of feel surrounded in this new environment and then we, we, we start to grow in our faith within this environment, but we haven't really taken our faith outside of the church and applied it to other areas of our lives. And the people I want to talk to right now are people who have begun to apply their faith to their everyday lives. Uh, you, you take it to work with you. You take it to school with you. You, you take it to in friendships. You know, you don't walk around bothering everybody constantly with, you know, hey, uh, you know, and just talking spiritual things all the time. But when given the opportunity, Christ is a part of your life and he's just a part of who you are and you're going to share that. For you to take the next step in your spiritual journey and spiritual growth, um, it's not always, you need to realize, it's not always about leaps of faith. It's about, it's about steps of discipline and patience. It's not always about leaps of faith. Okay, when it comes to growing, because you've been through, you gave your life to Christ, you're growing your relationship, you started to share your faith outside of the walls of the, you know, your Christian environment. And so you think, why I should, you know, you're waiting for this leap, these leaps and bounds of your faith that you're going to jump to the next plateau and jump to the next plateau. And, and, and I'll tell you that leaves some of us really feeling very frustrated because remember I said last week, sanctification, justification is a once and for all experience. Okay. Just as if I've never sinned, I give my life to Christ. I have been justified. Then you are sanctified. Sanctification is an ongoing process for the rest of your life. Now, some of us may feel kind of frustrated that we haven't seen the kind of growth that we would want to see in our everyday life, that, that we can't seem to break through some of the roadblocks that stand in our way. Yes, we are excited about our faith, but we, we, we can't seem to overcome, you know, here's one. Um, why do I still get so angry so easily? I still get angry so easily. You think after this many years of my faith that I, I prayed about this and I, I wouldn't get angry anymore the way I used to get angry. I still get angry. 
I still, I still have a lot of anxiety. Something happens in my life. I don't know how many times God has delivered me and I still get anxious. I still feel that stress. I still feel overwhelmed and you get frustrated with yourself because you're not where you want to be. And, and so it's like, oh, I, and then you, you start to feel like, am I missing something? Am I not doing something? Let me share a thought that may encourage you um, to keep moving forward. It's an illustration because this is what this is what's been happening in your life. It's the it's a Chinese bamboo plant. The Chinese bamboo plant, you get one, you put it in the ground and you water it and you tend to it and you nurture it and you do all the you know, you plant it down there. and You do all these things and nothing seems to happen. So you're, you're, you plant the thing and it, and it literally in the ground for over five years doing, it seems like, doing nothing. You're like, I bought this thing. Where, what, what on earth? Nothing's happening. It doesn't do anything for five years. And then all of a sudden, in that fifth or sixth year, it grows 80 to 90 feet tall in five or six weeks. So for five or six years, you get it, you plant it. I plant things, I want to see them grow. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I want to, oh, look at that. Over the years, it's growing. The, the Chinese bamboo, you stick in the ground, you water it, you tend it, you do all this kind of stuff, and you stand there for five or six years. You know, it's like, I'm going to put something else in this place. And all of a sudden, five or six weeks, it shoots up 80 or 90 feet. Here's the question. Did the Chinese bamboo grow in five to six weeks or five to six years? Was it growing and it do all that growth in five to six weeks? Or was it actually growing for five to six years? Bamboo plants tend to spend the majority, the majority of their time, a disproportionate amount of time, especially in the very beginning, establishing a root base. They do all their growth, if you will, underneath. And there aren't, they aren't concerned, it seems, at all to be pushing up through the ground. For all, for all that time, they're more, it's more important for those Chinese bamboo plants to establish a good root system. But in the fifth year, they explode with growth. It's like miraculous. I mean, literally think about that. Five weeks, it grows 90 feet tall in five, it's bigger than most of the trees you have in your yard, in five weeks. It could not have grown at that pace if it did not have a strong foundation. It could not have sustained that kind of growth if it did not have a strong established foundation. The same principle is true for people who patiently toil toward their spiritual dreams and goals. Building strong character as they overcome adversity, as they overcome the challenges, as they overcome the difficulties, as they trust in the Lord with all of their heart. You know, when I um, when I was doing Taekwondo, uh, Master K. Kim, our, my Taekwondo instructor, was actually here at first service this morning. I hadn't seen him in a little while, and it was great to see him. And I remembered what he would tell me over and over and over. When I first started doing Taekwondo, I walked in there and he would here say, do this kick or do that. I looked like some kind of like, you know what I mean? I don't know what I look like. But what he said to me was, because I was like, man, I look like a fool. He said, muscle memory. 
Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Muscle memory, muscle memory, muscle memory. And then it comes back and it comes to you. And you get, and all of a sudden you're, you think you're, you're, think you're Bruce Lee, you know what I mean? Down, but all of a sudden you, your muscle memory kicks in. It's the same thing with our spiritual growth. You keep muscle memory, keep reading, keep praying, keep disciplining yourself, keep moving forward. Do all the things that God has called you to do. Learn all the lessons He wants you to learn. And all of a sudden you wake up one morning. How many of you work out? You don't have to raise your hand, but you work out. You're a runner, and you've been running, and you cannot break that whatever mile, right? You run, and the same time, same time, same time. A lot of your friends have done that. They quit. They're like, man, I hit a plateau. I'm done. I can't get any faster. Or you're benching, or you're lifting of some kind, and you can't, that weight that you're lifting in CrossFit, you can't get it. But you just keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going. And then one week, all of a sudden, you're lifting 20 pounds than you were lifting the week before. Because you strengthened muscle memory. You kept moving forward and all of a sudden you broke through that barrier. You came through the ground and you're going to grow 80 or 90 feet in a shorter period of time. It's that muscle memory. Don't be discouraged. Do not be discouraged at this time in your life, in this season of your life. You're doing the right thing. You're watering. You're, you're developing. You're developing a root system. You're doing everything necessary so that when that next plateau comes, when that next challenge comes, you will be able to overcome. You will see tremendous growth in your life. Because you've laid a strong foundation. Don't be discouraged. It's that character that propels us forward on the path to spiritual maturity. Chinese bamboo plants are a great illustration of our own spiritual journey. Because it helps us realize that growth and change, growth and change are a process. Sanctification. Growth and change in all of our lives. Don't be discouraged. Growth and change is a, is a process. Whether you're working on discipling others or yourself, growth is never easy. So keep putting those roots down. Keep watering. Keep developing. Keep, keep on those spiritual disciplines. Keep on all those spiritual disciplines that are so important because when that time comes, you are going to, you are going to shock yourself. It feels frustrating sometimes and unrewarding, but when we're consistent and relentless, I promise you it is worth the effort. It is truly worth the effort. Really, really fast. When I first got saved, and I was trying to grow in my faith and grow in my faith, and I cussed all the time. I, I used foul language every other, F was the every other word. That was the hardest thing for me to stop doing when I first gave my life to Christ. But every day I would discipline myself and, and I would catch myself and I would say, I only curse five times before I got on the bus. And it was, I only curse five times before I got home from school. I did not talk in church they thought I was a quiet guy. They really did. They thought that Jeff, he's so nice and quiet. The reason I was so quiet in church, I was afraid I was going to cuss. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. You know, and, you know, I was like afraid I was going to say, you know, because I was just so used to it. You know what? All of a sudden, it just, I stopped. One day, I stopped saying, oh, five times or only after the, off the bus or after school. I just stopped. That's what we cannot be discouraged. We just got to keep moving forward. The final, finally we come to another group of people, and that is committed followers of Jesus Christ. 
committed followers of Jesus Christ. Now, you, you, I say that and some people are like, oh, I'm not at that point. I would consider myself at that point. Many, I know for a fact many of you are at that point. You're a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 says this. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. Spiritually committed people to Jesus Christ are are spiritually mature believers. They are spiritually mature believers. Now I say that spiritually mature believers and most of us say, well, that's kind of the end then, right? You've, you've kind of, you've, I friends have arrived. No, I haven't. No, I haven't at all, at all. We think when we say spiritually mature believers that it's the end. But for followers of Jesus Christ, the end comes when we get a glorified body in heaven. While I'm still breathing, if I'm still breathing, then I should still be growing. I should still be learning. If I'm still breathing, I need to keep moving forward. Your next step, if you're in that category, and and a lot of you are, and it's not an arrogant thing, and it's not. If, but if you're in that category, your next spiritual step, listen, is to strive to totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Totally surrender. Now, this, this is, okay, this becomes m- much more difficult. It's not just the outward things you're not doing. It's the inward things that you begin to stop doing. Am I there? I am not. I am not. I never will be until I get a glorified body. But my goal as a mature believer is to strive, to strive to become more like my Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only on the outside, where everybody can see, but on the inside, where only God can see. There is never a holding pattern in our walk with Jesus Christ. There's never a holding pattern. There should never be, there should never, there should never be a time where we stop seeking out the will of God. We should constantly be seeking God's will for our lives. God, what do you expect of me? What are you calling me to do? Regardless how difficult it is, what are you calling me to do? I have found a few ways that will help me in my spiritual walk if I hold on to these things. They're simple and there's more, but I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you three of them. The first one is living a life of obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being obedient. To obey is better than sacrifice. Being obedient to God. That's extremely important. That's a spiritual discipline. Just being obedient. God, the word of God says this, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what may happen at work or at school or in church or in my neighborhood or in my family, regardless of what's going to happen, I am not going to back down from what the word of God calls me to do. Obedience to God. The other thing is maintaining your first love for Jesus Christ. When you ask Christ to come into your heart, he's like your first love. And you just love the Lord and you want to serve the Lord. And somewhere along the line, right, we fall into some spiritual mediocrity or we go off the path. We need to get back on that path, on that straight path. We need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. So he will make our path straight, right? That's what we need to do. So we need to make sure that Jesus Christ remains our first love. And the other, the last thing for me that's so important is to consider others better than myself. Philippians chapter 2. Consider other people better than yourself because that keeps you from being self-centered, from being selfish, 
focusing only on what's good for you, but you start to think about others. Let me read you something from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts, listen to the word, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, not just your outward, but your inward. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. In other words, have an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. For you died. This is so important. When you gave your life to Christ. You know what baptism, we baptize people, right? It symbolizes the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Christ, you die to self. That is a long road to try to get to that point where you truly can say, I am dead to self. But it's what it's saying. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, Jesus isn't a part of your life. He is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. There comes a point on our journey where we completely surrender to God every area of our lives. We then die to self. I am not there. I'm getting there. I want to be there. I want to strive in my own life. So do all of you. We're not there. But that's, it's that spiritual journey to spiritual maturity, to die to self, to put others before myself, to completely surrender everything to him. Philippians 1.21, to live, to live, to breathe, to, to hear, to see, to feel, to smell, to experience is Christ. To live is Christ. To live, to, to be, to, to exist is Christ. And to die is gain. Because then I get to be with him for eternity. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I believe that the only, that can only come through life's trials and overcoming temptation. It can only come through life's trials and difficulties where you discipline, you have the spiritual disciplines in your life to, to handle whatever is thrown at you. And no matter what, where you find yourself, no matter what the enemy does, you may feel overwhelmed, you may get knocked down, but you get back up and you say, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. Your will be done. It comes when we relinquish, listen to these words, when we relinquish control of our lives to him and see all of life from an eternal perspective. When we relinquish control, oh my goodness, think about that, our lives to him and see all of life from an eternal perspective. When the grip of this world's pleasures are loosened. That spiritual maturity would they begin to be loosened when the, when, the, when the chains of this world's hang-ups and habits and those things that are holding us back, when the chains of this world's hang-ups and habits are broken. When, when, when the call of our, we talked about our sinful nature last week and how we have a sinful nature and how Christ can help overcome that sinful nature. It's when the call of that sinful nature has faded through spiritual disciplines. 
You say, I can't seem to overcome this habit. I can't seem to overcome watching this. I can't seem to overcome that habit of being angry. And I, I, la- I can't seem to... What, what, what will happen over time is that God will help you overcome those things. Your sinful, the call of your sinful nature will fade in light of spiritual, the spiritual disciplines in your life. God will bring that about in your life. In the end, listen to me, obedience, obedience is the key to fulfilling your spiritual journey. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the true test. Obedience to him is the true test of our love for God. It is the true test of our love for Jesus Christ and the secret to discerning and discovering God's will for our lives. Obedience is the true test of our love for Jesus Christ and also discovering God's will for our lives. Little side note. James says, you believe there's one God. Because they say, people are saying, yeah, I believe one God. He said, you believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wait a second. The demons believe in God. Saving faith consists of three things. And spiritual maturity consists of three things. Knowledge of God, belief in God, and obedience to God. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons have more knowledge of God than you have. The demons have more belief in God than you have. But what don't they have? Obedience. Spiritual maturity consists, saving faith consists of knowledge, belief, and obedience. Obedience is what helps us, it shows us, it is a test of how much we love Jesus Christ, and it will show us God's will for our lives. I want to turn back to something I've been saying over and over and over again. If any of us, any of us want to move forward on the path of spiritual maturity, we need to make a commitment to reading the word of God on our own. On our own. We need to make a commitment to studying the word of God on our own. We will never, we will never move from one season to the next without a commitment to reading the word of God. Why? Let me run through three very, very quickly. Why is it important to read the word of God? Number one, reading the Bible brings Jesus into every area of your life. In John chapter 14, verse 21, it says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. I just said that before. The one who loves me will love, be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You, want, you, you don't feel like God's a part of your life. You don't feel like Jesus is close. You don't feel like... There it is. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And at the very end it says, I too love them and show myself to them. When he talked about keeping his commands, he's talking about reading. He's talking about reading, reflecting on and living out the word of God. Reading, reflecting on and living out the word of God. Reading the Bible, when you read the Bible and you apply it to your life, what it says that you, it says is that you are inviting Jesus to work in your life. You want Jesus Christ to work through you, to work in your life? You invite him in by reading his word, by reflecting on his word. 
and by applying his word to your life. And Jesus says, I will, you do that. I will work through you. I will work. You're inviting me into every area of your life and I will show up in every area of your life. Number two, reading the Bible prepares you, okay, for the future challenge that you're going to face. Reading your Bible prepares you for life's challenges. In Romans chapter 10, in verse 17, it says this. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You want to grow, you want to grow in your, your faith journey? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's as simple as that. This isn't rocket science. You want to grow in your faith journey. You want to grow to spiritual maturity. Maturity. You need to read the word of God. When you know God's word, this is, this is so... Listen. When you know the word of God, this world cannot, this life cannot overwhelm you and your fear cannot control you. When you know the word of God, this world cannot, not to say should, can't, this world can't destroy you. This, this world, it, it cannot overwhelm you. It cannot beat you, and your fear cannot control you and dominate your destiny. It is not possible. You will, you will keep reading, and you'll keep growing, and you may still be anxious, and you may lose your temper. But I'm going to tell you something. You will, you will get to the point where the Word of God dominates every area of your life. It, you will get there. Through the Holy Spirit of God, and through the power of His Word. Number three... Reading the Bible brings clarity to your life. When you read the Bible, you'll find clear direction from the Lord in every single season of your life. God leads us, hear me, He leads us through His Word and by His Spirit. That's how God leads, through His Word and by His Spirit. Please hear my heart on this one. You cannot grow to spiritual maturity... By coming to church on Sunday, Sunday mornings for an hour or so, okay, an hour and 10, 15 minutes, and thinking that's going to lead you to spiritual maturity. You might become more religious. You will grow and learn some stuff, but you cannot grow to spiritual maturity if you're not reading the Word of God on your own and studying it on your own. It is not possible to come to church on a Sunday if you, if you come here every single Sunday, how many hours of true teaching are you getting? 40 minutes? Four times? Maybe five? How often are you here? Do the math. You cannot grow. You cannot accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish. You cannot understand the will of God. You cannot become spiritually mature if the only time you get fed is on Sunday mornings. As much as I want you to be here, you should be here. That's a part of your spiritual growth. But that can't be it. I'm just telling you, that can't, that can't be it. You need to actively participate. And you can't just run through your Bible, a Bible passage, without, a, without, without really reflecting on it and allowing it to impact your life. You need to read and you, go to, you have to say to yourself, how does this apply to my everyday life? You need to read it. You need to meditate on it. You need to pray over it. And you need to apply it to your everyday life. You need to study it and you need to apply it to your daily life. When you do it, it will help you make, listen, here's the deal. When you do that, it will help you make better choices so you won't run into the same pitfalls you do all the time. 
It'll help you make better choices. It will revolutionize your relationships. And it will. We're in this series. He will make your path straight. It will make your path straight. It will challenge. It will change you. It will, it will transform your entire life. Now, I don't want you to wait another day to start reading your Bibles. And so what I would like you to do is we close out here. We're going to close out the service and Jen's going to play. But here's what I'd like you to do. I have a, a, a poster board up here. And it's basically, it says it's a covenant to read your Bible. And I'll use this pen. It says covenant to read your Bible. There's two of them in the back. When, they, when you go back there, lay them down and you can write on. There's one up front. I want all of us to sign this and make a covenant that we're going to read. I didn't say how much. You don't have to get through the Bible in a year. You just need to read. Take out your phones if you have your phones and you have your calendars on your phones. And what I want you to do is take out your phone and get to your calendar. And I want you to put read. And then I, and it says, on this day, you know, all events or just this one? No, all. Every day. Push every, you know, put them on everything. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And push all. All events. And then that reminds you every day just to read. Even if it's a little bit. If you, We're not being legalistic here. If you miss a day... That's not what I'm talking about. Talking about developing a spiritual discipline of reading the word of God. Because no matter what I tell you, no matter what I share with you, no matter how much, how much passion I have when I say it, if you're not in a place where you can receive it spiritually, it's just going to go, even if you don't want it to go in one ear and out the other, you're not going to be able to, to truly grasp and apply what does it mean to find contentment in your life? What does it mean to find peace in your life? What does it mean to find joy in your life? What does it mean to have to know the will of God, to know your purpose for existence? What does it mean to overcome your past? What does it mean? All those things are all those things you're capable of doing, but not if you don't know the word. Not if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's just not going to work. This has to be. You're the bamboo. Build the root foundation. Establish your roots. Establish your roots. Establish your roots. And then the next time something comes up, you, you are not going to be overcome. You're going to be overcomers. You are not going to be overcome. So one of the things I want to give to you, um, Gabby, did you would I were you able to put that up? Some of you, um, you, you, you're going to be reading. It's actually dash, not slash. It's dash. So it's BibleGateway.com dash commentaries. Okay, go there. Take your phone when you're reading your Bible, and if you get stuck and you don't, you know, you don't, you can't get hold of any of us or whatever or the people that are in your Bible study leaders. Just go to BibleGateway.com dash commentaries write that down and then there, and you'll, there's there's different commentaries and they will explain what that passage means and you can get into more discussion you know when when you go to your bible study your life group whatever else but that'll get you that at least get you started in joshua chapter 7 it says be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the law my servant moses gave you do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go he will make your paths straight. As Jen plays, I just want you to come and I want you to sign this covenant. I'm not forcing you, but I'd love you to sign this covenant that you're going to start reading. You're going to start that growth process. Just keep pushing forward, pushing out of the ground and growing 80 or 90 feet, right? That's what we want. But we need to build that firm foundation. We need to lay and establish that root base. 
Let me pray for us. And then the service is complete. But I'd love you to sign this, these covenants before you leave. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for every single person here. God, I am not a fool. I know how difficult it is to start a, dis, a spiritual discipline of maybe reading your Bible. It's hard. Someone after the first service, Lord, you heard them. They, they said, you know, I've had a difficult time reading my Bible because it's lower on my priority list. And so it gets kicked off and I'm, I get real busy. It, get, it, just, it just gets kicked out. It needs to be my number one priority. Then I won't forget. I pray, dear God, that you would be our number one priority. That loving you, that knowing you, that having an intimate relationship with you is our number one priority. And so that reading your word is our number one priority. May we read, may we pray, may we serve others with all of our hearts. May we become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in every area of our lives. We pray all these things in his precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great, great week.